Hello and welcome to the Merry Menopause Book Club, a podcast that brings you the authors of the books written to inspire us, educate us and guide us on our journey through midlife. Created and hosted by me, Jo Fuller, menopause and menstruation educator and founder of the Merry Menopause. I want to give women the information and education they need to make empowered choices around their health and well-being so that ultimately they can have a Merry Menopause. and welcome to this edition of the Merry Menopause Book Club podcast. Today I'm joined by health coach, writer and TV producer Susan Saunders, author of today's book choice, The Age Well Plan. Susan has spent the last decade researching how to live a longer, healthier life and she's passionate about giving people clarity on what to do to age well and how that fits into a busy life and how to stay motivated. The Age Well six-week plan draws on her extensive research into longevity and will show you simply and clearly how to make the changes, big and small, that support healthy ageing. Susan, welcome. Lovely to meet you. And you. Thank you so much, Jo. I really appreciate being on. Thank you. Oh, well, you were, as you know, a recommendation by Jackie Lynch, who is the author of The Happy Menopause, who was my guest in season two. So it's just so lovely when we start to get these these connections going. So thank you to Jackie for introducing us as well. Um, I loved the book, Susan. It is, as it it says, it's simple and it is clear. Um, And there's some real light bulb moments about how our lifestyle today is going to impact us um you know aging in the future so thank you very much for writing this and putting it out there um I want to start at the beginning which I don't normally do with a book I normally jump around but in this case I would like to start at the beginning because I love the reason that you wrote this book and I love your story um and it's heart-wrenching and it will I think resonate with a lot of people so if I could ask you to tell us your story My story begins, really, my journey to aging well begins actually when I was 36. And I had a toddler and a newborn. I was working full time as a TV producer, and my life was really full on. And then my mum was diagnosed with severe dementia. That was the diagnosis we were given. So I then, as well as everything else, was a carer for, um, for someone with dementia so that was a real you know that was a real shock particularly at that age and with such young children you know most of my friends had very healthy lively parents who were looking after the kids at weekends and all that stuff and I was having to leave my kids at weekends and go and look after my mum because I'm an only child my dad died a long time ago I was like so I had this this responsibility to care for her and what made that kind of more poignant for me was that as a teenager, I had watched my mum care for her mum. So I could see a bit of a pattern uh, here. And I thought, gosh, I've got two daughters myself. I absolutely want to do everything I can to reduce my risk of ending up in the same situation and putting them in the same situation. That's what I was very conscious of. and. I say reduce my risk because I think that's a really important phrase and we need to remember whatever we do, 
the bullet might still have our number on. You can never guarantee that you're definitely not going to get Alzheimer's or definitely not going to get cancer. But we can do so much with lifestyle to reduce our risk of the chronic diseases of ageing. And so that was my starting point, really, was I thought, right, okay, that was my motivation. And I think motivation is really important. So for me, that was the point at which I started reading and researching and trying to kind of make sense of it in my own very busy life and trying to make sense of all those headlines that you read that kind of say, drink coffee, it's really good for you, you'll live forever and actually don't drink coffee, uh, it's really bad for you. And I was like, oh God, you know, how do I find my way through all this? So that's, that's kind of where I started and I love um, researching and so that, you know, it's just kind of trying to make sense of it what could I could I as a working mum actually do you know I was a bit confused and I didn't know what I could fit into my own life so that that was really the starting point for the Age World Project the blog which I write with my friend Annabelle Street so once we start we were both really interested in this field and had lots of information and knowledge and were reading lots of papers and we sort of Let's share it with people. Essentially, that was yeah, that was the starting point, um, and that led to the first book, the Age World Project. And while we were writing that, I thought, yeah, this is all really great, but actually, how can I make a difference to people in their lives day to day? How can I really help people make it work in their own lives? And I qualified as a health coach um, and uh, started coaching. And then so from that, I was like, people need a really simple plan. What do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? What do I do on Tuesday? You know, and um, and from that, the Age World plan was born. So how to kind of make sense of it day by day, week by week. What are the key things that you need to be doing? And so many, as you said in your introduction, you know, so many of them are really simple and, and take kind of zero time, but it's just knowing about them and feeling motivated enough to to kind of to fit them in um and the age world plan is a a six-week plan but it's it's a it's start with six weeks and then go on for the rest of your life that's the that's the the kind of key message yeah and it is i mean it's sort of each chapter is foundational so there's something to build on it's just raising awareness and taking action because you know for me they're the two things that I'm as, as a coach they're the things that I'm really passionate about it's like you give people the information but then you have to help them take that action and I think you've done that brilliantly in the, in a really concise form and a very easy read um and there was some real as I said there's some real kind of light bulb moments it's like oh wow okay this is really important um and I think you know talking about your mum you talk about cellular aging and that roughly 20 to 30 percent of how we age is down to our genes um and you talk about genetic testing how we can have our genes tested and reading that I was thinking my mum my mum passed away we're still not really clear what happened she wasn't in the UK um my dad has passed away um not so long ago and it's like oh could that be a thing at 51 would that be a beneficial thing for me to to have some genetic testing I think so. I had genetic. I had genetic testing mm. because I was aware of um, a gene uh, which increases the likelihood of getting dementia. It's 
called APOE4. We all have APOE genes. One, two, three, all fine. Four increases appears to be linked to an increased risk of dementia. It's not a diagnosis. It's just linked to an increased risk. So I thought, do, do I want to get tested bearing in mind the history of my mum and my grandmother? And Annabelle, who I write with, loves testing. And she's like, yay, got to have it done. Come on, yeah, get it done. Get it done. And I was absolutely terrified. And it took me such a long time to order the kit. And to press, you know, when I pressed the button to pay, I was absolutely terrified. I was kind of shaking. Um, but um, I, I did the test. And I found that I do carry the APOE4 gene along with around 25% of the population. It's not a rare thing. What is rare is to carry two copies of the APOE4 gene. So about up to 25% of the population, I believe, to carry one copy, and then a much smaller percentage carry two copies. So my chances of getting dementia up to the age of 80 are 1 in 14. Over the age of 80, it's 1 in 7. That's not a huge amount more than the average chance of getting dementia anyway. And actually, once I've looked at those stats, I was strangely reassured because if you'd asked me before I did the test what I thought my chances of getting dementia were, I would say, well, looking at my family history, I said, I think 80, 90 percent. And now I realize it's one in 14. Yeah, that's a lot less. So that for me was really reassuring but I would say to anyone thinking about doing any form of genetic testing really think about what you might find out and be aware that you might not want to know what it may reveal and it's it's never it's not it's never a diagnosis it's just something you're more likely to have and I think and for you Joey if there's something that you think might be in your family history really think about how you would feel if you found out there was what that would mean for you I mean that's that's very good advice isn't it because if there's nothing sort of startlingly standing out like it like the history in your family it could unravel something that actually I don't need to know and that could then impact how I age because I've suddenly got knowledge that I didn't have before that that's not conducive to aging well so yeah I think that's good advice Susan yeah it might yes it might cause you unknown stress or yes it might just be something that you would rather not know and once the genie is out of the bottle then it's there and I think you know I, I wish when I started doing my work with menopause sadly my mum had passed away by that time so I never got to ask her um, about her menopause because you know there is di- direct correlation sometimes to how we yeah. experience it although we we're experiencing menopause at a very different age to how we did to our mother's generations um, but interestingly I do wonder if towards the end of her life she could have she could have actually um, done with some HRT I think that actually she seized up and her joints seized up and it's like oh actually that was never an option that was given to her but that's another subject but that's kind of that's one of the things I'm I'd like to know about was there actually anything seriously wrong with her or was she just not this information not accessible to her at the time 
But we'll move on from talking about our mums in case we both get emotional. I feel myself getting a bit emotional. Um, there is um, there's so much um, in the book. And one, again, another thing that really uh, hit me was I am now starting to suffer from foot pain, which is really common in midlife for yeah. so many women. Um and you talk about foot pain. And in all the books I've read, doing the podcast and general, like you, general researching, because I love it, nobody's ever really covered foot pain. And you talk to an amazing physiotherapist. You've got some real insights into, into our feet and how important looking after our feet is, which I don't think many of us will have considered. No, well, you know, exercise is probably, well, it's not the number one thing, but it's it's one of the there are several number one things. It is one of the number one things that we need to be doing if we want to age well. You're moving every day, walking is so important, you know, other forms of exercise, some sort of high intensity exercise, some sort of resistance or weight exercise, absolutely critical for aging well. And I just thought you can't do any of these things. If your feet hurt or if you're in pain, in a, if you're physically in pain, it's all very well me saying, oh, you make sure you go for a walk and do all this. If it hurts, you're a lot less likely to do it. And I have known Jane Baker, who is a specialist foot and ankle um, physiotherapist for a really t- long time. Uh, we were at school together. Um, and oh, wow. And so then since we 11. And... Um, but, but leaving that aside, I think I would have hunted her down anyway because she is an absolute leader in her field. And she um, is really, really focused on our feet and ankles. A lot of physios look more generally at the body, but she, she has the specialisation. She's in her mid-50s and she's very conscious of how we, and in particular as women, are ageing and how we treat our feet. And her thing is meet your feet and that we don't actually give our feet much attention. Unfortunately, we take them for granted and perhaps as young women, we've shoved them into shoes that we shouldn't have done. And you know, even if we haven't, you know, they are aging. There are all these tiny bones and ligaments that um, need a bit of love and care and attention. And that is something we need to be thinking about in you know, feeling our feet every day, moving them, picking Picking up a can you pick up a sock with your toes? No, but I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah, you do. What can you do? You put your feet around a tennis ball. You, what, what can you do with your feet? And it's just one. Those are just questions that are worth. It's not a test. It's mm. just questions to kind of ask yourself about you know, how how are your feet getting on? And Jane has the thing that you, our feet are a really long way from our brain. And so it's quite easy to forget them when we think a lot about how our heart is aging, how our brains are aging, but actually we don't think about what's happening at the other end of our bodies. And, and, and perhaps we should because movement is so important. And when we think about aging and being old, the images in our head are often of people who are not very mobile. And if we want to continue to be mobile, that starts with our feet. Yeah. And, you know, we're told, you know, we need to, you know, exercise, build strength so the muscle can hold up our skeleton and we can get up and down out of bed and off the, the toilet and up and down out of chairs. But actually, it all fundamentally starts with our feet. And if, yes, I'm, I can move, I can I can get up out of bed. But actually, when I stand on my feet, it's too painful. It's and we and we don't give enough rec- recognition to our feet. So, 
yes, mm. I am going to. Um, I recently went to see a, a podiatrist about my foot pain and she just told me to get some insoles. And then reading Age Well Plan, it's like, oh, my gosh, there are people that actually specialise in helping us to to maintain that mobility and pain free in our feet so mm. that's um that's given me a bit of hope because I just wondered if I was mm-hmm. just gonna have to have you know insoles and painful feet forever and I love my exercise you know and it's mm. I would hate to have to stop even walking like you know and your mantra is you know can I walk there and that's kind of what I do and now we're coming out of lockdown and we're getting a bit more sociable and going to events it's like my my, my walking is stepping up and it's like but my feet are now sore um yeah it's uh, well she said plantar fasciitis but I think that's just a generic term for foot pain I think there's something a bit more specific going on I think it could be lower back calves yeah this this is also the thing because when your feet hurt you they're not nothing's working in isolation Jane talked about the butterfly effect and that if your feet hurt that is going to spread up your body that's going to impact your knees that's going to impact your hips and lower back as you say yeah and and keeping our hips uh, yeah, and our pelvis stable is really important for women particularly you know, because it's sort of the seat of our our strength you know it's just, that's the center part of our body and if that's not working nothing's working so it it you know, bear in mind how much starts with our feet um and giving them some love yeah, I need to start loving my feet. I'm working on loving all parts of my body that are changing yeah. currently. But um, yeah, I think it's start from the let's start from the ground up. So yeah, the feet are going to get some some TLC over the next few weeks, most definitely. Um, I think they need to walk on a sandy beach with no shoes on. I think that would be. Well, I know the beach in Hove where you are, and it's so me. So <laughs> you might have to wait for very low tide. Yeah, but I mean, walking on walking on stones is meant to be hugely beneficial to our posture and our back and regulating out. Um, but it's way too. I can't. I can't step on the stones. It's it is agony. And you see young kids running around the beach, you know, with no shoes on, and it's like, gosh, what's happened between? I know forty years has probably happened, but it's like you know that we develop. I don't know. Is it? pain is it fear and the kids are just yet yeah, running around all over the beach all day with no shoes on not complaining yes also for the um age plan i interviewed professor carol brain who's professor of public health at cambridge university and she talked about um things like walking on cobbles for balance and actually when we go to a supermarket the entrance to the supermarket should be cobbled because that would give our balance a little workout as we go in and she she has had this vision of a, of a kind of age well shopping experience where you park a certain distance from the uh, supermarket and then you walk in and so you get some steps and you're walking on cobbles so you're working your balance and your core and when you get there somebody greets you and you have a little chat and so that's you know, engage your engaging and social engagement is so important as we age and I thought that was just a kind of really lovely idea of of sort of building aging well into our day-to-day and into the design of our our plans and the, you know the fabric literally the fabric of our lives and that so doesn't happen susan does it it'd be wonderful if it did Mm. yeah so if you see some problems walk on them but with shoes on (laughs) (laughs) but it is i mean that's a really good point that you know as we get older the the designs of our towns and cities are not they don't think of the older generation 
when these things are happening and that's really important and there is a there is a line in the in the book actually which really really resonated with me and I'm going to find it on my notes it said you know we, we're growing old in a, in a world that's designed to make us sick fat and old yeah. you know we're not we're not evolving in a world that's that's there to support us aging or support our well-being it is designed to make us sick and fat and old so, yeah, so I think it's very important that we're conscious of our environment, of the environment in which we're aging, and what you, what can we do, if anything, to make that a more positive environment? You can't necessarily change that you know, the town that you live in. You don't want to move, we can't afford to move, but but you can be aware of what there is that might help your walking tracks or or footpaths or or that kind of thing, or um. Or, you know, get involved with the campaign. You know, there's some, you know, some playing fields that you're about to be built on. Get involved with the campaign to, to stop it. You, what, we all need to be conscious of the environment in which yeah. we're uh, aging, you know, the outer environment. Is, you know, yes, we can exercise and eat well and do all those things, sleep, to talk to us about in the book, but um, we're not aging in a vacuum. No, and you t- and going back to sort of the the sick, you talk a lot in the book about um, plastics and pollutants. Mm. So the things that are polluting us from the inside, and also the external pollutants. Um, and one very interesting area that you cover is sort of the pollutants at home that affect us. You know, lighting candles, pets, dust, mm. all the toxins that are in dust. And how this obviously we, we're absorbing all this, and this is affecting us on a on a cellular level, or the stuff that we generally are taking for granted that is not helping us to age well. Yes, exactly. And I think particularly you know, having been through multiple lockdowns and being so conscious of germs and viruses, you know, we're very very aware of wanting everything to be antibacterial and cleaning very thoroughly. And you know, there's some quite shocking and surprising research into you know, the cleaning products we use um, and for example a, a study was done with um, female cleaners who had been using spray products for 20 years and they had the lungs of heavy smokers and now most of us aren't using cleaning products in that way you know we're not spraying things all day every day but what none of us know is how our individual bodies respond to the environment in which we're aging because I could be exposed to all sorts of kind of cleaning products and uh, which are impacting my lungs but they don't you're exposed to the same thing they don't impact you and they might but I might be suffering more from inflammation it might be you know, impacting my brain health but you know my lungs are okay you, you just don't know because we're sort of in this toxic soup uh we're swimming in it and as i said none of us know not much research has been done uh as yet into the impact on all all of us individually and you mentioned microplastics is there there are some very early this is very early research done on the impact of microplastics you know what they're doing in the ocean we know they're everywhere they're possible to see them top of mountains but they're inside us as well. We're all ingesting, can't remember exactly how much, but an amount every year. And it seems that those microplastics cause inflammation in the body and inflammation is an absolute key driver of aging. Um, so you know, that's something to do. How can we avoid, but then how can we avoid them? 
you drink your water, you can avoid microwaving through plastic. You can um, you know, avoid you know, plastic food contains water contains, but actually they are you know, they are still around us. So it it is a bigger issue than just what we can do ourselves. So we we kind of have to do what we can, and mm. you know, hope society as a whole starts to reduce plastic usage. And I think one of the one of the um, one of the solutions that you men- mentioned again, which resonated with me. So I've developed a, a skin allergy going into midlife, um, and I'm allergic to. Um, there's a couple of preservatives in cosmetics um, and in cleaning products that really cause my skin to flare up. Um, and I've started using a product called Dr. Bronner's. So I've started using the unscented Dr. Bronner's, which is a Castile soap. Um, and you you dedicate quite a few pages to how we can utilize this product. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's brilliant. I'm on the I'm on the right track. So explain a little bit about how we can make cleaning products. And, and this isn't a plug for Dr. Bronner's, by the way, but it is it, they do a great range of these Castile soaps. Yes, it, it's a it is a really great product. It's very pure and it doesn't and it seems to be very low allergy and it, it's also something you can do a lot with you can kind of mix it um with you can dilute it with water use it as a spray you can wash your face with it you can put it in the bath or use it in the shower and um yeah you put it into the home cleaning products clean oven with it all sorts of things I mean, it's really sort of amazing stuff but yeah i just found that um, I when I started to research this, I was kind of looking at the number of cleaning products I was using in my home, particularly in the kitchen. And there are so many things we can do really simply with products like Dr. Bronner's or um, household vinegar, which is slightly more acidic than vinegar you might put in a salad dressing. But it's, um, it's very low toxin. It's not full of preservatives or anything. It's just a vinegar just mix that with water. It's a brilliant glass cleaner. And I've got sliding glass doors in the kitchen. Just spray that on. It's amazing. Um, you can just put a couple of drops of scented oil, you know, essential oil, lavender oil in if you want to, but it's just, just really easy. And just um, and you mop the floor. Because you see what's the size of your floor um, in the kitchen. You know, it's quite a big area. So you're just mopping the floor with diluted Dr. Bronner's. Don't, you know, it's really just really easy um so i have a little kit i bought some little spray bottles and yeah the rest of the exact recipe is all in the book but um yeah it's just kind of it it really surprised me how simple it was and i thought you know you had to be a kind of really extreme eco-warrior type person to be doing that sort of thing and i thought actually i'm not an extreme eco-warrior type person but actually it's easy and it's really beneficial for my health so why would I not do this yeah and when you look under the sink yeah you look under the sink in most households there's a bottle for this and there's a spray for that and there's a this for that and this literally so you mix it with bicarb and vinegar different quantities and you can clean your own house and I as I say I use it to to wash my face and body and you they do do scented ones uh, which I'm avoiding any kind of scent Um, so you don't smell that vinegar and you don't smell um, you know, don't get that res- residual from bicarb. So it really is, I mean, it really is one bottle under the sink. Yeah. And yeah. microfiber cloths, I didn't realise in my ignorance that microfiber cloths are made from plastic. Yeah, and they shed. And they shed. Yeah. 
So again, that's another. What's what's it? Is, I, I, I didn't write that down. It's bam, it's Cosmo from Bamboo, I think that. Yeah. We, we kind yeah, of should yeah, be using. There are there are, there are lots. Yeah, there are lots of alternatives. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just finding something that that isn't plastic and doesn't doesn't shed. Or if you've got lots and you don't want to throw them away, put them in a in a bag when you put them in the washing machine. They don't shed. Ah, top tip from Susan Saunders there. Susan, we're um, getting to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much. It's been such a so interesting to talk to you. And as always, I ask my guest uh, to recommend a book that has inspired them or educated them. And I would love to know what book you are choosing for us today. And my book uh, for your book club is Lifespan by David Sinclair. He is a Harvard academic and he has really drilled into how we age at a cellular level, which sounds really geeky, and it is, but I found it really, really helpful to understand the kind of how and why we are aging cell by cell, because I just thought that getting older was a kind of automatic process. And when you start to understand the kind of mechanism of the process by which we're aging, you start to understand that actually what we can do day by day, week by week, in terms of lifestyle, can make a difference to that. That it's that it's not set in stone. The process can be slowed or can be stopped or can be reversed, even in some cases, um, by what we do with our lifestyle. But having that understanding of the science um, has been incredibly helpful for me and David Sinclair is Australian so he has a kind of humour uh, which I think perhaps appeals <laughs> to the Brits so some of the American longevity experts are so amazing and so brilliant but they take it very seriously and he writes with a certain amount of kind of wit and I really appreciate that and although it is really geeky and really fancy I only did one science O-level biology i got c you know i really just exactly the same the book yeah the book made sense to me and i found it incredibly um inspiring and motivational on my kind of age well journey and that i mean it sounds brilliant and it ticks so many of the boxes in the age well plan so laughter a great you know great thing to stop this um aging newness try you know reading reading yeah. a book you know that de-stresses us um and then learning something new so lifespan yeah. sounds like you know it's it's a it's a great yeah. um a great accompaniment yeah. to age well plan because it ticks so many of the boxes exactly and it is it's challenging and novelty learning new things is something we should be doing until we die it's so so important so so yeah it's worth the challenge Okay, and I love I love geeking out in a book, so that's it's already gone on my list to read. So Saunders, um, Sue Saunders, Sue, sorry, I've got one of my best friends is called Saunders. Apologies for that. So Susan, <laughs> to finish up, it's been really, really lovely to meet you. It's been really lovely to meet you. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of lines from your book, and actually, I started at the beginning. I'm going to finish at the end, which again is not mm-hmm. usual for me. I jump around, <laughs> and this is um, what you call your final thought at the age of the book, and um, I think for all of us, as we get older, you know, we need to really think about how we're going to age. Um, and this is just the final couple of sentences from the book, which I just want to share. And you say, the aging process is really per- rarely perfect with many bumps in the road ahead. But the commitment to create an age well life is empowering. An age well life is about breathing the fresh air, 
eating the chocolate, calling the long lost friend. It's about stepping away from the harshness of modern life, stretching at our desks, not being chained to them, walking in the woods, not sitting in the car, bed in a book, not being glued to a screen, cooking whole food, not microwaving a ready meal. I urge you to continue to challenge yourself each day and each week and to age well. Oh, thank, thank you, Susan. Oh, that was a really lovely way. To, you know, I'm always intrigued by people in their books, and I just thought that was a really lovely way to end. So I just wanted to share it with everybody. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me, Joy. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Vicky Bristow Communications for producing this series. You can find out more about me and my work at www.themerrymenopause.com or follow me on Instagram at themerrymenopause. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe. It will really help other people to find me. Thank you.